and welcome back to Dynasty Kings. We are on episode 10. My name is Luke, and the kid who's thicker than a snicker is Kyle. And today, we are going to start our new series where we deep dive onto a specific NFL team, and that's our whole focus for the episode. So today, we thought we'd get one of the worst teams out of the way in the Redskins. But before we get into that, both me and Kyle, you know, we're humble guys. I'd say we're the humblest guys you could possibly meet. You know, I don't think I, I don't, you know, I don't think that I'm a cocky person. I think I'm super humble, but I think we need to own up to a mistake that was made. Uh, last episode, we were talking about how the Bucks brought in a safety. We said McFarland, they actually drafted Antoine Winfield Jr., in the second round, 45th overall from Minnesota. Uh, he comes from a huge NFL pedigree and can pretty much do anything with his ball skills. Uh, you know, huge college production. The guy put up 30 starts in four years, 172 total tackles. Like, the guy is legit. No offense to you, Antoine. Didn't mean to ruffle any feathers. Love you, buddy. Hope you have a great career with the Bucks for as long as Brady likes you. All right, so let's yeah, hold jump on. Before into- we jump over, I just want to say a funny note. When I mentioned that and I couldn't remember the guy's name, and then Luke said McFarland, I think I just agreed it was McFarland because I've been putting McFarland to the back of my mind just because I still believe in Connor. So I'm like, oh, yeah, McFarland isn't a thing. You know what I mean? He's not a real running back <laughs> in the Steelers organization. Like, they didn't draft him. Connor's okay. He's safe. Like, I'm not I'm not worried at all. But, like, low-key, I'm actually scared shitless. Like- <laughs> so maybe that's what happened with that whole like you know situation <laughs> yeah you know what I, that's what i would assume probably happened is and it's besides uh, you know mcfarland sounds like the name of a db doesn't it it does doesn't it yeah like it just sounded right but you know what it's all good sometimes things slip our minds it's always good that you accept responsibility move on that's why we're the most humble guys in the room so let's just get it going we're going to talk guys on the skins that we love Obviously, so Kyle, why don't you get us started and try to find us a um, a bright spot for a team that just doesn't have many. Yeah, well, the first one I'm going to talk about is probably the brightest spot on the team. So this is the easiest option to pick, I think, as far as players go, and that's Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry is easily becoming one of the rising stars in the game at wide receiver. His connection already with Dwayne Haskins goes back to college and should only continue to grow as the two mature together in the NFL. Um, At six feet tall, 210, Terry really fits the prototypical mode uh, mold of today's NFL. And due to the really lack of competition, um, I could really envision him being a wide receiver one at that spot for years to come. Uh, while playing only 14 games last year, uh, McLaurin racked up 919 yards. So it's really foreseeable that he could have had a thousand yard season if he played the entire season. Um, He definitely enters this season as a wide receiver too, but I think the wide receiver punch central is there for him to be a wide receiver one. I think he has a hundred catches on the season potentially with like, you know, a thousand to 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns, which is a real threat because he had seven last year. Yeah. I like scary Terry a lot. This offense is super weak. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of good things to talk about this offense. Terry McLaurin kind of came out of nowhere last year. I don't think anybody expected him to do what he did last year. Uh, I think a lot of people aren't sure whether this guy is a one-hit wonder yet 
or if he's the real deal. But I think because of the lack of wide receiver one that that team honestly has, there's no reason why Terry McLaurin isn't the guy, you know? You just have to assume so. It would have been nice if he put up 1,000 yards, but I think 919 is a cool, solid number. Uh, I, I There's a lot of places for him to go. I think he can only go up, but I think a lot of his value is tied on whichever QB is playing for the Redskins, and I think that is a big hit on wide receiver value. Yeah, for sure. I think this whole season, you're going to see a theme throughout this episode about how everything right now falls on Hayskin's shoulders. Um, And I think that's really the whole theme of this Redskins team right now. How big of a step he takes is how big of a step this team will take. Yeah, exactly. You know, as long as there's progression, I think Terry grows with Dwayne, but I think he also take steps back if Dwayne doesn't, you know, come up and uh, and do something good. Fuck, what a weird name, Dwayne. Yeah. Dwayne the bathtub. Dwayne. <laughs> um, all right. Well, so for me, I don't see a lot of highlights in the offense that would make me want to, like, point somebody out. I know we've already talked about Geis in the past, and we've talked about Dwayne Haskins a lot in the past, but I'm super enamored with this team's defense. And there's and you know it's easy to go yeah Chase Young um it, or you know Jonathan Allen you know you you talk about the guys who are going to be great but I want to talk about some of the guys who you know people kind of forgot about and so the first one I want to talk about is Montez Sweat who was their first round pick uh the, in 2019 he had an actually solid rookie season and like the dude looked like an utter steal as a late first round pick. He put up seven sacks playing behind Ryan Kerrigan in the depth chart. And I think going into year two, he's had the opportunity to learn from one of the best and most consistent edge rushers the league's seen in the last 10 years in Kerrigan. So I don't see why he doesn't get better. I think now that Washington has a super loaded D-line, there's no reason why Sweat uh, should see any double teams leading to a super... Uh, a super higher success rate when attacking the QB. I think, you know what, when you look at Sweat, he still has some things to work on. And depending on the format that you're using, if he's listed as a defensive end or an outside linebacker, really plays into the value that he possesses. But I think he starts the season as a defensive end three. And there's a super high probability that he will have a double-digit sack season. Yeah, you already said the point I wanted to make on Sweat, which is about the IDP formats. And we've already seen the change that a bunch of uh, the fantasy formats that handle this stuff are making. I know Flea Flicker just dropped a huge bomb on us uh, where outside linebackers in four threes are now considered uh, basically defensive ends. So a guy like Sweat value just went up through the roof because now he's considered as a defensive end in their format so it all depends about where he gets placed either way i like the guy uh don't get me wrong i think he's got value either way but i definitely could see him having 10 plus sacks this season he's a beast on the edge for sure Mm -hmm. the guy's strong he's quick he's beautiful you know i i don't know what else there is to say about the guy like the guy is just the whole package. Yeah, no, you definitely. Know, that's just all. And I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little pissed at you, Luke. You threw a little shade at me for, you know, you said, oh, I don't want to talk about guys like Jonathan Allen, and that's literally the guy I'm about to talk about next. Like, <laughs> like, say, because in my opinion, 
Jonathan Allen is not a household name. I'm sorry. Like John Al, uh, Josh Allen is a household name, and there's a bunch of other Allens. Keenan Allen's a household name, but Jonathan Allen is not a household name, and he's been one of the most consistent uh, players at the defensive end position for the last few years. And because of the changes to the Redskins organization and their line, he's actually now classified as a defensive tackle in IDP leagues, which is a huge win. I know he's classified like that on my fantasy league. I know he's classified like that on Flea Flicker, I believe, as well. And I think he's going to be changed like that for every uh, league for now on moving forward, which is a huge win. I mean, this guy has potential to be top five defensive tackle at the position, and he might join the ranks of the Buckners of the world. Uh, he's a behemoth at 6'3", 300 pounds, an elite run stuffer. I mean, the addition of Chase Young adds another layer to this growing pass rush, which me and Luke are both extremely high on. And if Jonathan Allen is a defensive tackle in your league, he's a defensive one lock, a uh, D-tackle lock. Like, oh, D-tackle one lock. Wow, I'm struggling with words today. I apologize for that. But and he, like, seriously, has top five potential, man. Uh, he's a beast. Yeah, I love Jonathan Allen a lot, too. I think him sliding into a more defensive tackle position is better for him. The guy's just a little too fat to play uh, defensive end, in my opinion. Nothing wrong with being fat, obviously. I love all shapes and sizes. Um, but I do think he is a little big to be playing that defensive end position. I think he'll do well sliding into like a three tech defensive tackle. Uh, he definitely fits the mold that Washington is always going after. And that is Alabama products, Alabama, products, <laughs> Alabama products. I honestly think they pay Nick Saban at this. Yeah, point. they love him just, just for their, just for his Alabama products. Cause, and Hey, you know what? Jonathan Allen and, uh, De'Aaron Payne, De'Ron, De'Ron Payne, De- Daryl, Daryl from the <laughs> office. I think him and Daryl from the office are going to have a, a great, a great one-two punch in the middle of the field. And that kind of leads me to wanting to move away from talking about the defensive line. Cause I think it'd be super easy just to continue to hype them up. And I want to talk about a guy who's been slept on a lot and that's Landon Collins. I think regardless, he's one of the best strong safeties in the game. And in his first season in Washington, even though he put up incredible numbers, I, he was slept on when you, t- when you were talking safeties last year. He is a tackling machine and puts up 100-plus tackles in four of his first five seasons since entering the league in 2015. He fits the mold of an Alabama product playing for Washington. Or, yeah, exactly, you know. All these Alabama guys go play for Washington eventually. Fits the mold perfectly. I had to convince myself again as I was saying it. For <laughs> uh, he starts the season, in my opinion, as like a safety two, but easily he's going to be a top five safety in any format by the end of the season with easily another 100 tackle season. Yeah, you can't ever go wrong with Landon Collins. I would like to see him get back to his 2016 season, which obviously was his peak with five interceptions, four sacks, and then 125 tackles as well because he hasn't really had the picks since that season. Uh, But overall, man, he's a hard-hitting safety. He fits their defense really well. I think he's undervalued undervalued right now for sure, Uh, and he's being taken outside of the top five, even though – 
Uh, as you said, he could easily finish as the top five safety this season and will be like that for at least the next few seasons. I think this is a guy that you should pick up in IDP leagues for sure because he's a lock at your uh, defensive back position. Yeah, and you know what? He's only 26, too. Like he's not No, not old. at all, especially for the safety position. Yeah, like he is just hitting his stride. You know, and that's insane to think when in his second year he put up monster numbers of 125 tackles, five interceptions, and four yeah. sacks. So, I mean, like, the guy is buy now, buy now, buy now. He's going to be way too expensive for you to even come close to if you don't get him now. Yeah. What would you do? Just shove a nose beer? No, what I have that? a nice sip of uh, – I have a cappuccino here. It was very tasty. Okay, Dave Portnoy, keep your Adderall addiction to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, when we come back, we're going to shit on this organization even more, so make sure you stick around. Okay, and we are back. We're just going to jump right into it. I've been so excited to shit on the Redskins, so I'm just going to get us started. And I'm going to crap on a guy who's brand new to the team, but in my opinion, just shouldn't be in the league, period. That's Kyle Allen, who came in, and the only reason why he has a job is because Ron Rivera's worked with him in the past, and I think he just wanted to bring in his own guys as he builds up his regiment. You know, this also includes Thomas Davis coming over in free agency. He had an impressive first five games after Cam Newton was injured last year. And it actually looked like he could be the future of the team. And then he just fell apart. And if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, Kyle Allen would be having a worse time finding a job right now than any other quarterback on the market. I think he has subpar throwing strength. And he gets freaked out way too easily when he feels pressure and the pocket collapses on him. He is not worth owning unless you have Haskins and you feel like you need the handcuff. Any other reason, avoid Allen at all costs. This guy is a joke. He's not the real deal. And you can tell this because he has first two names. It's Kyle Allen. There's not a last name there. That's first two names. Yeah, you know, I would not touch that guy with the ten foot pole. Uh yeah, it's tough for me to shit on a fellow Kyle, but I'm not a fan of Kyle Allen to say the least. You know, it is what it is. He doesn't fit the prototypical Kyle mold, I guess. You know, I just don't think he's it. <laughs> you know, I think <laughs> I think Rivera kind of got him as a safety net just in case all shit goes bad with Haskins so that, you know, God forbid he has somebody who knows his systems and can come in and potentially pass some footballs. Um, You know, I don't think he's anything to be happy about, though, at the end of the day. Um, I don't think he's the future of the organization. If the Redskins do end up playing him, it will be a desperation move at best, and I I would avoid him as well. Yeah, you know, he is not the uh, crush a beer on your forehead, chug a can of monster and try to make out with your buddy's girl type of Kyle. You know? <laughs> That's you. That's definitely uh, you. That's not right. this Kyle. 
uh for this next guy um he's got another bad name to say the least uh and that's jeremy sprinkle i just i can't deal with this guy's name oh my god uh there's <laughs> so jeremy sprinkle's a tight end for the redskins just in case you didn't know because most people don't know who this guy is uh but he actually kind of has a prime opportunity to become a relevant tight end i guess uh because of their situation right now you know the release of jordan reed uh the retirement of vernon davis um it brings a prime opportunity to somebody in this tight end room but i just don't think that sprinkle is it he had some opportunities last year i mean he started 13 games last year and only put up 240 yards i just i don't see it He's got good hands, but he's really bad at pass blocking, which is going to keep you off the field in today's NFL. Um, he might have some upside for a few games as a tight end three, but we've said it in the past, I think that's Moss's room to own. And I think at some point he's not going to have really any role. Yeah. You know, I'm just glad the fourth Powerpuff girl found a job, <laughs> uh, you know, after not making it on the TV show, uh, you know, sunshine and sprinkles here. Uh, hopefully he uh, figures something out. I, I don't see this guy being a starter. I think he's a decent backup. He's a good tight end two option. Agreed. But the fact that they don't have a good tight end one option on that team uh, just goes to show how much of a shit show this offense is in and the lack of quality and attention that's been put into it over the years. Easily. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, you know, let's continue. I, I praise the offense. Or I praise the defense, sorry. I have to continue to shit on the offense. And let's talk about one of the more questionable signings in in the offseason, the more questionable re-signings. That's Adrian Peterson. Like, this guy is the same as Frank Gore. Leave. Go home. Go beat your kid with a belt again. You don't need to be here. You know, after two seasons with the Skins, which were decent and somewhat productive at best, I think it's time to let the younger regiment of running backs grow and having AP on the roster while being a good mentor hinders the growth of other running backs around him because he has zero presence in the pass game. So he's not contributing to that at all, but he steals touches from guys around him because he is a volume runner. If he doesn't have the ball, he won't be productive. And that's proof when looking at his two seasons with Washington, where in 2018 he had 251 rushes and in 2019, 211. You know, you, I think at some point they need to just start working down his touches. And I would not touch this guy with a 10-foot pole unless you own Darius Geis and you can't get your hands on Bryce Love and you desperately need a handcuff to fulfill the season. Other than that, Adrian Peterson, you know, first ballot Hall of Famer easily. Not in my book, son. Get out of my league. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to talk about Peterson in this light because – Oh, man, he was the pinnacle of rushing for so long, especially when he was on Minnesota, obviously, was just insanity. You look at some of his numbers that we have up here, and it's just insane. His 2012 season stands out, obviously. 2,000 rushing yards is just absurd. Uh, I can't even put it into you know, perspective. Uh, but yeah, I just think he's an aging guy. I think they brought him back because uh, Rivera likes the veterans. I think I've mentioned that on the show before. He's a big fan of veteran presences uh, in the locker room. So I think uh, at the end of the day, this is a move that probably makes sense from an organization standpoint, I guess. But as a fantasy standpoint, it's just going to be a pain in the ass for anybody who wants to own anybody in that backfield at the end of the day. Uh, because obviously, 
Uh, everybody's going to eat into everybody's touches. Everybody's going to devour each other, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. I think it's not good. No, it's not good at all. And uh, I think all day needs to get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Mm. The last guy I need to talk about here who needs to get the fuck out of Dodge, too, I guess, uh, is Ruben Foster. And you might have thought, you know, oh, Ruben Foster's on uh, the Redskins. Yeah, he is. I know. It's pretty crazy to think that. <laughs> Obviously, you know, he's had off-field issues, but he's also had a problem now staying healthy. Uh, the Redskins declined his fifth-year option, which shows their intention to move on from the guy, which is just insanity when you think about his rookie season in San Francisco just a couple of years ago, where he was just a beast up the middle. A lot of people are considering him as one of the premier young linebackers in the entire league. And I could, and I saw tons of people pay top dollar for this guy. And just to see where he's fallen to is just really sad. Um, we're going to mention somebody later when we talk about um, with our guest Aiden, but a guy like Cole Holcomb is going to be the real starter on that defense in the middle. So Ruben Foster has really lost his value because of a guy like Holcomb becoming a rising star. Um, if he can maybe stay healthy, he's a linebacker three, but I'm not really sure what type of role he even has in this defense because he hasn't played since 18. Yeah, I don't think he brings any value to this team whatsoever. Uh, I I think uh, his the peak of his career was 72 combined tackles when he played for uh, San Fran in 2017. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was taking his on-field production and trying to show his girlfriend what made him so special on the field, <laughs> which led to him getting arrested. Uh, you know what? I, I think that it sucks. I, I loved this kid since he was in high school. I thought he was super dominant in high school, super dominant in Alabama. He fits the Alabama fold for um, for Washington, but I think the guy is crap past his time. Flush him, flush him down the toilet like he's a dead goldfish. Uh, no need for him. And besides, who wants your starting middle linebacker to be named Ruben anyways? Yeah, it sounds you know. like a sandwich. <laughs> yeah, or like Ruben sounds like a cartoon artist. <laughs> yeah, definitely not ideal. No, not at all. So, uh, you know, we're we're all jokes aside, there are some highlights, but because we are humble, we also must acknowledge that there are some weak points. So make sure you stick around. Uh, we're going to do just an outlook on their season what we think is going to happen, and we're going to make some bold takes. So make sure you stick around. Back, we're going to jump into it. Uh, first thing is is the outlook. You know, so schedules have been released. I don't think the Redskins got an easy schedule at all. Especially yeah, how bad of a team they are. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And especially from weeks 12 to 17, they're basically playing some of the top teams in the league. So, I, you know, there's no question they are not making the playoffs. But, you know, we did put together a little predictions ourselves. So, Kyle, why don't you get us started with your predictions? Yeah, it's going to be a rough, rough season for Redskins fans. And uh, I think they've gotten kind of used to that. But changes does not happen overnight. If you look at this schedule, you have zero primetime games for the Redskins, which is to be expected, uh, sadly. Um, you know, start off with Philly week one, 
definite loss. Then Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, Los Angeles Rams. Those are probably all losses as well. So, I mean, to start off 0-5 just from the get-go because Philly, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and L.A. are in way better positions than they are. And I think the Rams have a big bounce back here on top of it. So I could just see them getting beat down in all those games. They might pull off a win week six against the New York Giants just because both of them are imploding in the NFC East. So they'll probably split with the Giants, which is my prediction. Um, and then, you know, they play the Dallas Cowboys right before their bye week in week seven. After that is probably the easiest stretch of their schedule. They get the Giants, the uh, the Giants, the Lions, and the Bengals. So that could be like, who knows? They could win three games in a row right there. Who Like, I, you never know, honestly, because of how bad those teams are. And I don't think... Oh, I don't know about that. That's that's preaching to the choir <laughs> a little bit there. Yeah, I mean, I'm just... I'm just playing fiddle, you know, joking around, talking about the schedule. You know, I don't think they're going to, but I think a lot of people think Detroit's going to bounce back, and I'm not really um, I'm not really one of those believers. But anyways, they close their schedule out, and this is the stretch that Luke was talking about, weeks 12 through 17. Now, listen to this, man, because this is fucked up. They have Dallas, the Steelers, San Francisco, Seattle, Carolina, and Philly. <laughs> Yeah, basically their easiest team is Carolina with arguably the best running back in the backfield and uh, and just three of the best young tight ends in the game right now. Or wide receivers, tight ends. God, imagine running three tight ends in your <laughs> offense. Uh, that's the Philly. That's uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. That's for next week. <laughs> yeah, but I man, they got screwed with that schedule yeah. towards the back half. You're going to see guys starting week 12 just falling off IR, you know, d- disabled list, you know, uh, freaking infirmary, uh, the mental ward, whatever it is, they're going to be there after starting week, week 12. Yeah, I think they go. My prediction is 4-12. and 12. I think they beat Carolina. They beat the Giants one time. They'll beat Detroit and they'll beat Cincy. That's my take. Yeah, I actually think they're going to go two and fourteen. I think Detroit is, you know, healthy Matthew Stafford, uh, DeAndre Swift in the backfield now, and Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, T.J. Hawk just on offense alone. Yeah, I don't think there's any way that Washington beats these guys. Uh, and then I do think they'll beat the Giants. I do think they'll beat the Bengals. But I think Carolina will still lay the smackdown on them, especially <laughs> because they're coming off such a hard stretch between 12 and 15 that there's no way that Carolina will not get an easy dub from a super exhausted, super beat up Redskins team. Yeah, I could see either or. Either way, I think me and Luke both have said that we think they're locks for top five pick again in 2021. So this is an interesting situation. And I think I've talked about this before, but in the off chance that Dwayne uh, Haskins doesn't take the next step forward, um, this team will be staring down uh, Fields and, um, oh, my God. Trevor Lawrence. Jesus uh, Christ. There we go. Oh my God. There I was about to go, go like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh no, they'll be <laughs> they'll be staring down Fields and Trevor Lawrence, though. So that's that's the upside of this. So if they have another bad season and uh Dwayne really doesn't take the next step forward, um, it's a prime opportunity to, for them to pull in Arizona and take the guy again. Like take another shot at a guy. Yeah, you know what? I, I agree with that. I think this team's future is a super defense-oriented squad 
with a strong need for a good run game to take the pressure off the pass, which they just don't have. Yeah. And um, and so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, you know, we saw the Seattle Seahawks, you know, where champion, or defense wins championships. Can this defense get them a 500 or plus record? Probably not. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, this is the thing. This is a very... This is a very Rivera team that's being built right now. Um, very strong uh, up front. If you remember when Carolina was very good and when they went to the Super Bowl, they had a top five defense, I think, in every metric for the most part. And obviously an extremely good Cam Newton in his prime, which helped a lot, obviously. But, you know, they had Keekly, they had a stacked line. They had, uh, you know, all these other guys. Josh Norman was good for that one season. Um, you know, <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, Rivera's formula is very much defense first and kind of figure out the rest later. Um, but we'll see what he can do with uh, Dwayne and uh, how this team develops for sure. Yeah, easily. Uh, no doubt about it. I think this is Ron Rivera's time to shine. And uh, he is the black QB whisperer. So um, I think him and Dwayne Haskins are going to be okay. But, uh, you know, let's get into our bold takes. I got some hot takes I want to want to put out into the universe. So here are mine. I think Geis wins comeback player of the year with 1,000-plus yards on the field and six TDs. I think the Redskins defense finishes in the top five units in the league, both in defensive prowess and in defensive scoring. I think Terry McLaurin makes his first Pro Bowl after his first 1,000-yard season. I think Cole Holcomb leads the team in tackles with a combined 100-plus. And I think Landon Collins becomes a top five safety in IDP formats again. Yeah, I like most of those takes. Um, for my bold takes, I agree. I think, guys, this is the year. I'm really hoping anyways, my God, <laughs> that he'll put up top 15 numbers is what I said. Just top 15 numbers from a fantasy standpoint. I don't know what that would equate to. A thousand yards and six touchdowns probably sums, uh, seems like in the realm of like, you know, logist, uh legitimate possibility um, as well as McLaurin finishing top 20 at the position and probably having a thousand yards as well. I think Dwayne tosses for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns this season. That is a stretch for sure. Yeah. Like, but like (laughs) it's a bold take, right? I mean, like if, yeah, uh, yeah. would it be really cool if Dwayne just came out and was a complete 180? Like, remember how bad Lamar Jackson's rookie season was? And everybody was like, this guy sucks. He's a running back. He shouldn't have done shit. And then he dropped five touchdowns and like no missed in, uh, no incomplete passes week one. And everybody was like, oh, to, wait, what? Like, <laughs> to be fair, that was against Miami. Yeah. I, who, I think, I don't think the Redskins play anybody as bad as Miami was last year, their entire season. <laughs> But still, I mean, uh, you never know. That's all my point. And this is a bold take, and I like the guy. So you just – you never know. I think, honestly, on a realistic note, I think 30,000 yards and 20 to 25 touchdowns is a probably much more realistic um, prediction for the guy. Would you not agree, Luke? Yeah. Yeah, I would I, I would say that's uh, 
a little bit more close to home. But if you, if you, hey, you know, hey, life's, too take, short right? to <laughs> life's too short to bet the under. So, I mean, hey, if the over is 4,000, fuck, I'll put my money on the over. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think uh, Thaddeus Moss becomes the starting tight end in that room by the season ends. I don't think he starts off the starter, but I think eventually that room because his, um, and then last but not least, I think Chase Young comes into the league with a very Nick Bosa like rookie season and drops 10 sacks. Yeah. Yeah. I could see Chase Young having double digit sacks in his rookie year. It's, it's going to be, I'm always curious to see rookie edge rushers come into the league because I think it's really hard to expect a rookie to just come in and automatically put up uh, double digits. I think if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Chase Young. Even Nick Bosa didn't do it. But I think that the biggest thing is is that when you look at college tape, a lot of defensive ends can just body offensive tackles because there's the, the schedules in college are so much worse than they are in the NFL that you can get away with that. Oh my God. Is that a giant murder wasp outside my window? <laughs> that thing's fucking huge. It's Chase Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I started talking smack about him a bit and Jesus Christ, a murder wasp shows up outside my window eyeballing me. Yeah. Anyway. So I think that, um, you know, the quality of offensive tackles in the NFL is a lot better than the quality of offensive tackles in the NCAA, blah, 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 blah. But it'll be interesting to see what moves Chase Young incorporates going to the next level because a straight bull rush probably won't work on most of these Well, that's guys. the thing, and I, I like your take on that because that is true. But Chase Young isn't like most young edge rushers. He's not just raw power. He has it all. He does it all. He already has the moves in place. And if he was going to a different team that already didn't have a beast of a front, um, I would say that he doesn't get potentially 10 sacks. But because – Washington already has these guys in place like we talked about, like Sweat, like Jonathan Allen, like the rest of this whole entire unit. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility for him to hit 10. Yeah, you know what? I think uh, if any rookie is going to do it, it's going to be him. Well, probably not. It's going to be a Max Crosby from some team who's drafted in the fifth round and we're never going to see coming. Like, it's just going to be some random guy like that because Jesus Christ, that happens every year. Man, I, I don't know. I don't know how many more skinny white kids who should be playing tight end can really play defensive end. It was Sam Hubbard two years ago. I'm pretty sure he was a late-round pick, too. And everybody was like, yeah, no, he's not going to be anything. And now he's one of the best defensive ends in the league. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I, uh, I, think the, uh, I think the defensive end with the most potential outside of Chase Young is uh, Yeto, Yeto Gross. Is that his? Yeto Grossman? Cross motto. Yeah. Whatever. Ninja. Ninja well, yeah, stuff. and he joins the stack um, unit as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens over in Carolina. Yeah, exactly. I think anything can pretty much happen with these guys. So, um, you know, we just shit all over the Redskins, but we want to bring in a Redskins fan so we can shit on them with him. Uh, so when we come back, we bring on special guest Aiden. And we will be continuing our deep dive into the Redskins. So make sure you stick around. All right. And welcome back. We are here with special guest Aiden. For some reason, he is a Redskins fan. I don't know how many times he must have hit his head in order to achieve such status. But here he is. Aiden, how's it going, buddy? 
Not too bad yourself. Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, so let's just get it started. Me and Kyle are going to take turns asking you questions. So I'll get it going with something pretty general. Uh, so going into this 2020 fantasy season, who's your favorite player on the Redskins to own as of right now and why? Well, my favorite player to own right now is Dwayne Haskins. Uh, it's his first season uh, starting, and he's already got a great chemistry with the with the receivers that are already there, uh, such as McLaurin, who he knows from uh, Ohio, well with uh, Harmon all season, as well as Steve Sims. This guy's surrounding himself uh, with an organization that wants him now. He's got a lot of confidence going into this season, and it's it's truly up to him to get it done. Yeah, I think that's a good take on Haskins or Haskins or however you want to say it. I'm personally a very big fan of the guy. I think he had great tape from college. I think you guys kind of messed him up by throwing him to the Sharks last season. Uh, just personal opinion on it. But, you know, at the end of the day, they ha- they had to do what they had to do because Alex Smith decided to never walk ever again. Uh, you know, I don't think people really expected. <laughs> it's the Joe Theismann curse. Yeah, curse. yeah I, don't, I don't think people expected that. So, you know, Alex Smith was probably still supposed to be playing on your roster as of right now if all of that didn't happen, obviously. So, um, but either way, I think the future is bright for the guy. It's just really up to... Uh, the coaching staff now. And luckily they have a really good coach who's coming in right now. Ron Rivera has always been slept on. I think he could breathe a lot of life into him. Yeah, I think so too, as well as uh, he's bringing over uh, Scott Turner as offensive coordinator. And uh, with the whole coaching staff, bringing in Jack Del Rio was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I really like what the the changes that the organization is making. I mean, if they change the name, it would probably solve a lot of issues that they have and maybe get rid of Dan Snyder, probably, you know, fix some of the internal issues that are going on. But for the most part, it seems like they're doing something. Uh, As Kyle pointed out, yeah, Alex Smith just woke up one day and decided I'm going to fuck up my leg for the rest of my life. And uh, that was that on his his chapter with the team. So um, let's uh, let's, let's, – progress a little bit with uh, the Redskins and specific players. And so Aiden, if you're looking at a guy on the roster as of right now, and you can own him in fantasy, let's say we're including IDP when we talk about this. So you can talk defensive players as well. Who's yeah. a player that you think in the 2020 season is going to be a flop? Like he's not going to live up to the hype or whatever people are talking about for taking the next step is just not going to happen. And he's a guy you just should not touch. Well, a guy that I've been high on since we drafted him was Trey Quinn. This guy was uh, Mr. Irrelevant in 2018. And uh, he came into Washington, looked super good, looked like he was taking over the starting slot role. And then he just got battered by injuries, bro. Insane. He's uh, lower leg injury knocked him out for uh, the rest of his rookie season. And then he comes back to Washington, starts giving a little bit of potential in his second year, uh, only picking up 75 yards and two touchdowns, though. Um, oh, that was in his uh, first year. So he was giving off a little bit of potential, getting out of the hopes high. And then uh, in 2019, he had uh, 26 receptions, for 198 yards and one touchdown 
but then got concussed for the rest of the season. So I just think that based on the people that we're bringing in to the wide receiving core, this guy's just going to get knocked out of place. Next guy up. Well, yeah, and you guys have a history with concussions and wide receivers. I know Jordan Reed technically a tight end, but let's be honest, he was the best wide receiver threat or receiving threat for the last 10 years in Washington for the most part. Um, but, yeah, I just think he's going to get pushed aside. I think Golden Gandhi was a great pick by the Redskins later on in the draft. I think he's definitely going to play immediately. I think uh, Harmon is another guy who could take another step forward. And obviously, Scary Terry's the lock at one and then you got the guys like Thaddeus Moss coming up on the wide receiver core I mean on the tight end core and then a really really crowded running back room I could definitely see how somebody like Trey Quinn can get lost in the mix you know what I mean yeah he's definitely uh, lost his spot uh, just due to crazy injuries Uh, he had a lot of potential so it's it's upsetting to see him get take down like that but gets himself healthy uh, with the right team, he could be something. I mean, it also is just a known fact. White guys are pretty much meant to play on the O-line exclusively. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I think he kind of set himself up there. Uh, but I don't know if he's that one in a million catch. But, uh, you know, Kyle mentioned Thaddeus Moss and that tight end room. So, Going into this season, no more um, Jordan Reed, regardless if he ever had a head Finally. on his body. Um, so, you know, going in, it is a weaker tight end room. So how do you feel about this um, revamped set of tight ends that Washington's going to be deploying? Because it looks like a guy like Jeremy Sprinkle, most garbage football name ever, uh, is going to be the starter. So, Aiden, what's your uh, perspective on the weak tight end room in Washington? Well, Jeremy Sprinkle's a guy that we've had for a while now. He sat behind uh, Reed for a while. Uh, Didn't get a whole lot done while Reed was uh, on top. But uh, he came in, took over the spot, and uh, produced. And I think that now with the additions of uh, Thaddeus Moss, Logan Thomas, and uh, Richard uh, Rogers, the room's still incomplete. But I think that it's Thaddeus Moss's role to progress, produce, and uh, become our starting tight end. Yeah. You know what? That room reminds me a lot of the Bills room last year. Um, We didn't really have anybody. We had a bunch of veteran guys who could potentially be the starter. But I always said that Dawson Knox was the wild card in that room that could potentially take the tight end position. And it turns out that's exactly what he did. And he ran away with it. And now he's the starter. And I see Moss in a similar situation as Dawson Knox. Both slept on players in a tight end room where there's no solidified talent. And the opportunity is there. And that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying Moss is better than any of the other tight ends. I don't think this is a crazy class, but I've said it all the time, as Luke knows, opportunity is king. And I think Moss has a prime one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's really his to run away with it. Uh, the, kid, the kid's good. Uh, at LSU, he was setting records with uh, receptions and yards at the tight end spot. So if he just keeps that shit going, then uh, he, he should be good for that spot. Yeah, and I watched something with him the other day, and I think it's important to note, like, he he's talks about this, but how he's actually had to deal with a lot more 
uh, being Randy Moss's son than people realize um, because he's always playing with a chip on his shoulder and people think he's just gotten along just because of his dad and stuff like that. So I think something like that might actually fuel the guy to be even a better player. Like, ironically, like he's not going to be the lazy guy about it because he wants to prove to everybody he's not his daddy. He's his own person. Yeah, he's already said on multiple occasions that this is his story. Yes, exactly. The guy went uh, undrafted and uh, he decided to join Washington because we were the first to call him after the draft. And I think that knowing that we want him and he want he wants to make his own story and create his own legacy – then I think that he's going to do great. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, moving on, as far as the questions go, I know we talked primarily offensive side of the ball, but you guys quietly have been building a stout defense for a couple of years now, uh, especially on your front line. And now, you know, the addition of Chase Young obviously uh, adds to that. But on a defensive side of the ball, is there a specific player, like if you could get him in IDP formats above all else, who would you get? I'd try to go for a linebacker, uh, Cole Holcomb. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good selection. Yeah, man. He's doing great, and he fits in with the defense nice. Uh, he's a really good run. That's who we needed at the next level of linebacker, just in case the, the old Bama boys can't stop. But that doesn't happen regularly. But uh, – Cole, Hol- Cole Holcomb is a, is a great linebacker. He's all over the field. He's nonstop, always at the ball. And uh, he, he did get taken out uh, a few times last year just because of uh, coverage issues. So I think he needs to work on that. And if he does, we could see some fucking interceptions coming out of this kid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you. I think Cole Holcomb is uh, an interesting cat on that uh, on that linebacking court. And you did raise a good point that a lot of uh, Washington's defense is primarily made up of guys who came out of uh, Bama uh, in recent years. But, you know, I got to ask you a, a question. Just, uh, just uh, do you feel that with Holcomb there that Reuben Foster's time as a Redskin is up? Ruben Foster's time as a Redskin is already up. They declined his fifth year. Or, uh, fifth year option. I think we picked up. Yeah, no, because he got drafted. Yeah. So it was a fifth year option that uh, we ended up getting through trade. And uh, we just decided no, simply because that like, Ruben Foster is as injury prone as uh, Jordan Reed was. Yeah, it's a shame how far Ruben Foster has actually fallen Uh, i actually tend to forget about him just because of what he's gone through from the injury perspective and obviously the off-field issues which i don't think i need to bring back around uh to light because everybody knows all that stuff all too well he arguably went from a top five linebacker and in dynasty formats to uh out of the top hundred in a span of like two years which is just insanity in my opinion like i remember this guy when he came out of college and his first two years everybody was like oh this is the guy we need to own this is the guy we need to own everybody brought him up and then everything happened uh he got released or traded i don't know i don't remember how did you guys get him exactly was it through trades uh i'm pretty sure it was a through through a trade not a very high value one i can't remember it off the top of my head right now but uh we did decline the fifth year option on him 
Yeah, it's a it's a shame because I remember him on the Niners back in seventeen and eighteen. He was uh he was definitely up and coming star, and then obviously everything happened off the field. So it's just oh, man. yeah. So I, actually, I just did some looking into it, and so it turns out the Redskins in twenty eighteen claimed Ruben Foster go. off waivers oh, yeah. after the 49ers cut him when he beat the crap out of his girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, well, there you go. I mean, there's a there's a lot of bad souls in the NFL to say the least. Uh, you know, we don't we need we don't need to dilly dally on Ruben Foster because I'm sure he's been ripped enough on the media and everything like that. Um, but for this next question, I know we talk defensive side of the ball, and I love Cole Holcomb. I'm a big fan of him. I actually already have a lot of spots uh, where I have him, so I'm happy you're saying Ruben's going to be out the door because that gives me a lot of security of mind. Um, but as far as like your reactions to the Redskins draft. You obviously had a very good draft, in my opinion. You guys kind of went best player available across the board. What do you think of it, though? I'm extremely happy with the draft. Uh, first five picks, uh, no question. A lot of people are iffy on the last four. But uh, just with Chase Young at second overall, a generational player, uh, recorded 16.5 sacks, and that was an NCAA record. Uh, am I Am I wrong? Uh, I believe it was. I can look right now. Uh, but we also yeah, no. grabbed uh, Antonio Gibson, a great weapon. Just uh, he lines up uh, beside the quarterback at running back, and he could also sway out to the slot and line up in the slot to begin with and still produce downfield. Uh, obviously, we lost Trent Williams. Uh, so uh, Shadiq Charles from LSU really came in, is going to come in and uh, – I think that gaining the weight that he needed to, uh, he's going to be very good and have a good NFL career. Yeah, I like your draft too. I just looked it up. So Chase Young's uh, sacks were Ohio State record, but they were fourth for all time for the NCAA. So still, I mean, still very impressive. Don't get me wrong. And nobody's gotten plus like 16 since 1998. So it's been a while to say the least since somebody has come in and been the talent that Chase Young has been um, on the field for sure. And he's got a good head on his shoulders, which is always a big win. Do you guys think that Chase Young? Bosa? Yeah, I was actually just about to ask that same goddamn question. (laughs) Fuck you, Aiden. Stole my thunder. Um, but I actually, you know what, if you're asking me in a personal perspective, I would take Nick Bosa over Chase Young. Yeah, as of right now, but does he have that potential? To be a Nick Bosa? I think, yeah, he definitely has the potential to be a Nick Bosa, but I mean, like, going forward, I would, I would probably be, be happy having Bosa over over Chase Young, if I'm being honest with you. It's no knack on Chase Young. I think he's going to be a incredible edge rusher in the NFL. But I think that uh I think that Nick Bosa proved it in college and then just reiterated it when he got it into the NFL. Not only is he a great pass rusher, he's just a shit disturber. Oh yeah. Like he, he does he does everything. Yeah, like, and so I think Chase Young, pure pass rusher, incredible. The guy gets to the quarterback like not a lot of people we've seen in previous drafts. But I think Nick Bosa just does everything else overall a lot better than Chase Young does. A lot, a lot better. Like what? What? What does he do better? Like disrupting the run, uh, 
batting down passes, picking know, up man. fumbles. I don't know, man. Chase Young had fucking seven forced fumbles last well, year. Well, yeah. Hold on, hold on. I know all this is fun and all, but until Chase Young proves it to me he could do it at this level, I don't want to hear any of this comparison to Nick Bosa because he isn't him yet. I mean, I think he could have something similar of a rookie season. Don't get me wrong, just because I think Chase Young is a pretty much foolproof pick on the defensive side of the ball. But you never know. There's been so many busts over the history of the NFL for us to sit here and be like, yeah, he's going to be just as good as Nick Bosa, who already proved that he's one of the best defensive players in the league in year one. I just think it's a little far-fetched. No offense, Aiden. You know what I mean? I like the guy. No, I that, you. Yeah, like I like the talent. Don't get me wrong. And if you look from it from a perspective, like they're both taking top five, they're both considered the best drafter, uh, pass rushers of their class. And we've now seen, I think, over the last few seasons, the importance of the defensive line and its importance in creating a winning culture. So I think what the Redskins have done in general is really good. And a guy who does not get enough credit and has been doing it for years for your team is Jonathan Allen, who continually just keeps putting out really good seasons. And for some reason, nobody talks about the guy. And now you add him with Chase Young together. I think you have a great front. Yeah, that, uh, that line's going to be like a whole new wall. Yeah, it's going to be definitely for sure nothing's getting by that all right and so Aiden let's uh let's segue a bit let's get back onto the offensive side of the ball um so you guys brought in Antonio Gibson you already have a Darius Geis Bryce Love and Adrian Peterson in the running back room so what do you make of your team's uh cluttered and confusing young running back situation. Yeah, it's definitely something that we need to figure out here. Uh, we picked up Darius Geis in the draft la- uh, to, to uh, solve our issue, you know, with Al- Alfred Morris leaving and just the bad luck with uh, Rob Kelly and so on. Uh, we we needed a guy that we could draft Darius Geis and – I, I had extremely high hopes for him. And then just injuries are eating away at him slowly. So I think that if Darius Geis could stay healthy, Darius Geis could, could, could continue to be a Redskin and be the, the lead guy in that room. Uh, but for now, AP's taking over. Uh, AP's at the end of his career. We all know this. Uh, when he left the Vikings and joined uh, Arizona and New Orleans, he didn't find uh, the rhythm in their offenses. But I, f- I think that uh, Washington has something where he fits well in. And that's the only reason you see Adrian Peterson doing as well as he is now at this point in his career. Yeah, Washington has a, a, you know, a potential top 10 back who can't stay healthy. That's what they have. And that's why, Dar- that's why Adrian Peterson keeps getting work, because Darius Geis can't stay in the field. I've said it again, and I'll say it all over again. If Geis can stay healthy, you have a workhorse in Washington already. In my opinion, I think without a doubt, if he can stay healthy, he is the workhorse there. But if he goes down, I love picking up a guy like Bryce Love. I think he's going to definitely get work. Adrian Peterson will do something. But if you're talking dynasty, I know I've seen him fall to like the 50th round of drafts because people just don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Like they know what they're getting. They have a year or two maximum with the guy. So it's tough to really take a guy with that little upside. You know what I mean? Especially on a team that when Geis is healthy, he probably doesn't have a big role. But it's 
definitely a headache of a situation. I wouldn't recommend getting invested in it from a fantasy perspective. I got, I got like the to pick up on. Groom is uh, Gibson. Like I know he, I know he just got drafted, uh, but I think this guy's gonna be the guy. If if all else fails, Gibson's gonna be the man in the backfield. This guy, uh, 33 carries for 369 yards, uh, plus four TDs just from scrimmage. And uh, you can swing that guy out to the slot and line him up in the slot. And that went perfectly well for him in college with uh, 38 receptions for 735 yards plus eight TDs. Yeah. So Well, that's the thing. That The good thing about that him is the numbers to show for himself. Yeah, well, the good thing about him is uh, he doesn't necessarily have to be a running back. You were talking about Trey Quinn failing to thrive in the slot. That's a guy I could see easily filling in that position potentially as the slot wide receiver, um, like without a doubt. Yeah, but I also think Washington, uh, just based on Rivera, Washington's going to have a look at Gibson and uh, almost use him as a poor man's McCaffrey, I think. Yeah, I like it for sure. I mean, it's definitely an interesting situation as far as the room goes, no matter how you slice and dice it. Luke, do you touch that room or what do you think? No. I think the only way I am owning Geis in any league is if somehow I can also acquire one of his handcuffs. Uh, for me, the handcuff to buy right now is Bryce Love. So if I can get my hands on both Bryce Love and Darius Geis, I'll take the gamble. I think it's worth. I think it's worth the risk. But if if I can't get that handcuff, at least Gibson or Bryce Love, then I don't think I'm touching Geis with a ten foot pole. I mean, it's a big gamble on guys. You don't know if he's going to be stay healthy. You don't know if he's going to blow up. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think yeah. we've talked about the guy so much. It's tough to it's tough to really think of anything. And I know he's had some now off the field issues as well. I've heard he has been partying against COVID uh, nineteen restrictions, and the Redskins were not happy with him about that. I don't know if you heard anything about that, Aiden. I didn't actually. No, uh, he was posting pictures on a yacht with like ten girls, and the Redskins were pissed. <laughs> yes. Ah, well. Yes. So I don't know if that's a good look for his new coaching staff and stuff like that. I think it's from a talent's pers- perspective, he's still the most talented back on the roster in the current state of Adrian Peterson right now. Uh, because obviously, yeah. if obviously if this is ten years ago and AP's at the peak of his career, or even five years ago, um, nobody even holds a fucking candle to the guy. yeah i think it's going to be super interesting going into this season to see what happens there's so many question marks for the redskins at so many different positions that honestly this team could be competing for the playoffs in the next two years or be starting from scratch in the rebuild in the next yeah i guess you just never really it's very hard to tell the team's so young and uh it was hard to Hard to find who who my favorite player is on this roster is this year, just because everybody's so young, everybody's so fresh, and they they all have to prove themselves. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I think at the end of the day, uh, this whole entire thing, and I think I've said this before to you, Aiden, when we've talked about it, um, and it's funny that you mentioned him as your favorite player because I thought you were going to talk about Scary Terry, honestly, because I think he's the most exciting player on your roster right now. Uh, But we can highlight him in a minute here. But I think that everything – falls on Haskins shoulders or Haskins shoulders right now. 
Um, and if he can take the next step, then the Redskins could potentially flourish into a playoff team. But if he falters this year and continues to not, uh, you know, mature at a fast enough rate, I could see the Redskins taking another quarterback in the next year or two. Uh, yeah, the possibility is there, but uh, Haskins is showing that he wants it. He knows that this is his team. He's got the spot. He just has to make sure he fills it and stays the starter. He's uh, he. There's a lot of like jokes going around that uh, he was the fattest quarterback. He had he had one of the slowest times at the or the slowest time in the quarterback's uh, forty yard dash, and. Uh, this offseason, he's been putting in the work. He's been working drills. He's lost weight. So we have a more physical, big-bodied quarterback, and uh, I trust the arm. Well, I want to bring up an interesting point because we've talked about him in the past on this show. Do you think that Haskins needed that, what happened to him? Because as Luke – I know you brought up on the show in the past, Luke, that he had a very easy path in college. Um, he didn't have much competition. Yeah, he had yeah. a very easy Yeah, exactly. Path. Do you think he kind of needed to get his ass kicked year one? Like to kind of like uh, – It was definitely a wake-up call for him, and uh, I'm honestly thankful for it. And uh, I, I was listening to a past episode, and you guys were – uh, throwing shade on the fact that uh, you think Keenum should have started the whole year. And I, I disagree with that. I think that uh, based on everything that's happened to Haskins with that, like the kid declared for uh, Ohio state when he was like 12 or something. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he uh, had his way to college. He only played one season but uh, he was also on the same team as uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, he sat behind uh, Cardell Jones, um, Barrett, I think, as well. Yeah, that quarterback uh, room is insane, man. <laughs> he's, had, he's had a lot of good teammates to uh, to sort of guide him, but uh, he's he's very fresh. He doesn't have a lot of experience, and that's why uh, Washington needed to put him in that last part of the season just to get him warmed up. They knew nothing was going to happen. They just wanted to get him warmed up for what his life is going to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Don't get me wrong, but I think sometimes you could throw a lot of fire with these rookie quarterbacks and potentially ruin them. And that's all I meant by what I was saying. Um, oh, I know. I know a lot about ruining rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. You guys are like the RG3. Yeah, uh, we're about to wrap it up right now, Aiden. But I want to ask you one question, Terry McLaurin. Where does he finish on the wide receiver rankings by this season's end? Play, bro, on Dwayne Haskins. Scary Terry's a uh uh uh. Don't back out of this. Give me a number. What? Where does he fall on the rankings? <laughs> like top, top five, 20, top yeah, ten, like, top fifteen. In my opinion. He's definitely going to be Haskins' favorite target. So I think that he's going to end up, based on his skill level, how much he's going to get the ball, definitely top 10. I'm not going to, I'm not going to confirm top five. Oh, Maybe, maybe. He's thinking it, though. He's thinking it, though. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe nine. Maybe nine, maybe eight, at the highest eight. But All right, you heard no it No shade first. on him. It's just young team. We got to figure things out first. 
Yeah, well, there's a lot of good wide receivers out there. I like him at nine. It's, I could definitely see it. I think he's top 20 still. I don't know if he cracks the top 10, but who knows? There's not a lot of good wide receivers on that team. That's going to wrap up our time, though, Aiden. Thank you for hopping on the show, man. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, buddy, for coming on. And make sure you guys stick around for some closing remarks. All right, and welcome back. Uh, thank you, Aiden, for coming on to the podcast. It was awesome to have him on. I know he was a little nervous, but I think he did really well. Uh, shout out to him for doing so awesome. Uh, and you know what? I I think this is a really cool segment that we're getting into. Uh, we have, we're going to do this by division. So we just talked Redskins. Uh, next episode, we will be bringing on a fan of the Giants. Yep, I already you know, got the guy lined up. <laughs> exactly. We're going to work our way from the worst of the worst to the best of the best in each division. And I think in the NFC East, to be particular, all four teams might be kind of crap this year. Yeah, we'll see. The Dallas Cowboys should be the playoff team in that division again, probably, but probably won't do it because Dak wants $75 million instead of playing football. <laughs> you know, like, you know, they don't, they don't really have their priorities set straight in Dallas. That's for damn sure. Yeah, definitely the case there. I uh, don't know what Dak is doing, but, you know, Jerry World probably expect him to go 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, I just saw actually something that was posted before we wrap up here that said that Dak is asking for 40 to 45 mil on a four-year deal. And if it has a fifth year, he wants 45 plus million dollars for that fifth year because of the quarterback market in the future. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Pay the guy who's never put up top five numbers. Top five <laughs> never, never won a playoff game or done anything. Yeah. All right. Let's see what happens. Then. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand. Do they not understand analytics? Like it is just kindergarten analytics to know, know. that if you pay your QB more too much money, then your team does worse because hey, you can't afford the surrounding cast. I know. I know. Listen, we're going to have a whole episode where we could just destroy the Cowboys the entire time. So let's not take up anybody's time right now. <laughs> Fuck. I sound like Skip Bayless. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. We really appreciate you. Make sure you follow us on all of our social medias at dynasty pod. Uh, I'm Kyle. That's Luke. And thank you for listening. <laughs>